Hi, this is Mary Taylor of the Cape Cod Museum Trail. Today we are joined by Liz York, Executive Director of the Cape Cod Maritime Museum, located in Hyannis, Massachusetts. Liz joined the Maritime Museum this past year. The Cape Cod Maritime Museum's mission is to preserve and celebrate Cape Cod's maritime heritage. They strive to enable audiences of all ages to understand and enjoy the maritime culture through exhibitions, collections, public events, and educational programs. Thank you, Liz, for joining us today to talk about the Cape Cod Maritime Museum. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah, tons of fun. So do you want to tell us a little bit about the history of the museum? Sure. Um, the museum itself was founded in 1998, but the building that it is in right now opened in 2005. Um, we are located right on Hyannis's Inner Harbor on South Street. Um, it's a beautiful location right between the Steamship Authority and the Highline Ferry. Get a beautiful view, and what better uh, place for a maritime museum to be than on the inside of a harbor? It's beautiful. It is. Uh, last summer, we had a, um, a resident seal named Neil um, that would come in and just stick his, his or her little head up every once in a while. So it's just such a cool place to work. And you, Capote Sarah is there in the summer. Yes, yes. Yeah. She's in um, usually from late June through Columbus Day. So you get to see her, too. Absolutely. Out right outside our yeah. windows. So do you want to tell us what's happening right now at the museum? And what Because you have new exhibits. Mm -hmm. So you want to tell us all about what's happening there? Sure. Um, so in early September, we opened up three new exhibits um, in our historic galleries. One is called The Quest for Cod. It's all about the history of cod fishing in Provincetown. The other one is a whaling exhibit, specifically about the whaling history of Provincetown. Then the last one is all about the Portland Gale of 1898. Uh, so this is sort of a triple exhibit all focused around Provincetown and the sort of maritime history of that area. Um, that takes up our historic gallery. And in our fine arts gallery, we have two photography exhibits on right now. One is called Soaring Above Cape Cod and it's all aerial photography of the different areas of the Cape. Uh, absolutely beautiful photographs, high resolution, I'll tell you, you, you've never seen the Cape in this way. It's just the coolest, beautiful. And then the um, second photography exhibit is called Hullscapes by Barry Beter. Um, they're beautiful photographs that really encourage you to look at our maritime world in a different way. Um, I won't spoil the secret, but you should come on down and see them for in, in real life because it'll, it'll blow your mind. And I have seen both of those photography mm -hmm. exhibits, and it is amazing both of them and the views that both photographers bring to exactly, Cape Cod. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, they're just, they're really, they're both very creative in how they look at our world. One from above and then one from details. Yes. That we, a lot of us miss. Yeah, that we don't see. Exactly. And it's surprising what he found in Hullscapes. Mm -hmm. I completely yeah. agree. So mm -hmm. with the historical exhibits that you have now, mm -hmm. As you're putting them up and as you're learning about the exhibits, what facts about what facts did you learn that were new and exciting that people should look for when they're there? Oh my gosh, so many. Uh, so the, uh, you know, not being born on the Cape or being from the Cape, I always looked at Provincetown as more of an artistic community. I never had any idea that it was a big fishing community, and. Um, so there's this one part of the exhibit on the history of cod fishing in Provincetown that shows just how many acres of land in Provincetown, their streets and you know front, front yards of houses were taken up with the salted cod that they would bring in. 
that they would, that, you know, when the fishing um, vessels would, the schooners would bring in hundreds and hundreds of pounds of cod. They would salt it, dry it down, and then they would also, they would just lay them out on the street on these different racks so they would dry in the sun and, and salt. Really? Yep, yep. Beautiful, beautiful photographs from, you know, 1850, 1860, 1870 of literally people's front yards covered in these racks. They call them fish flakes. Um, and they would, uh, they, they would basically be preserving the fish um, because this was before we had commercial freezers um, and other sort of preservatives that we now use for that. Um, so they would just dry them down. And there would be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stacks of these all across town. And were the fish owned by the yards, like the homes, or did they sh like go there to was, their neighbors and say, could you please hold my fish and dry them out? That, yes. They, would, um, they were usually owned by the fishing fleets, you know, each specific captain or owner of the, owner of the boat, whether it be a, a larger corporation or, you know, mom and pop type. Um, but they would use up all available space that they would have, and I think that um, whether that be the captain's front yard or, you know, the captain's sister-in-law's front yard, who knows? Um, there's, um, right outside the Masonic Lodge in Provincetown, there's a great photograph of that whole commercial street area just covered in the fish flakes, just stacks and stacks of them. Wow. Yeah. And, and how long did it take for the fish to be salted? Uh, so they were actually salted on board the ships when, right after they were caught just to preserve them because they could be out there for, um, you know, a couple days at a mm -hmm. time if they needed to be a couple weeks at a time. Um, but then when they came back into port, um, the fish would already be pretty much salted down um, at that point. But they would still, they would dry for another couple days or weeks, depending on the weather at that point. Um, and of course, if it rained, they did have to pull them all in and put them somewhere, which right. we don't have any photos of that. In their living rooms. Yeah. Ooh. Mm. Uh, yeah. But their home smelled nice. I know. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. So the exhibit's just full of these really cool tidbits and uh, there's a lot of photographs in the exhibit too to really set the context for you know the areas and well the era that we're talking about um and one of the really great things about the exhibit is that it kind of takes you it it helps you travel through time so you start off in the you know early 1800s and the fishing um economy that really helped put provincetown on the map and then it, it slowly moves into the more mechanized, the trawler days when they had um, rig draggers going on, um, and they they weren't doing any dory fishing anymore. They were just it was a lot more mechanized, um, and that was sort of like pre World War II, but more like 1930s. Then post World War II, they moved to more s safer ships, um, and the fishing economy was really still booming at that point. But then. In the early 2000s, a lot of the um, legislation with fishing and overfishing was changed, and that, that put a big change into the whole Provincetown fishing scene itself. So there's some also one of the best parts about the exhibit is that there are three models in it that are all made by the curator of the exhibit, who is Dr. Keith Richards. Um, he was a guest curator for it. He made all the models in it, which is really, really cool. And they're all three examples that are very indicative of the type of fishing vessels that they would have used so they're models of the boats mm -hmm. yeah nice yeah that's great yeah and what about the gale why is that gale so important so the steamship portland that went down um in that gale that they actually named the gale 
four uh, was found off of Stellwagen Bank, which is really close to Provincetown. It's like the closest port. Um, they uh, this the ship was so this um, gale itself was right after Thanksgiving in 1898, and it was a northeaster, very similar to what we experienced in October on the Cape. Um, and it was it was actually a lot worse. Um, it was sort of like a conjoining of two very powerful storms. And so the steamship Portland left um, port in Boston on its way up to Portland, Maine. Now, why did we find it right off of Provincetown? Um, the prevailing thought, so no one on the steamship survived, so no one is no one lived to tell what happened. But the prevailing thought is that the winds were so powerful, and because it was a paddle steamer, um, it was really just so far blown off course and basically disabled from the high winds. Maybe she lost part of her superstructure. Um, but we do know that paddle boats like that were just really not built to be in rough seas at all. Most of those types of boats were always used on inland waters, like lakes or like the Hudson River. Um, so that's sort of the prevailing thought. Now, why it's connected is because it was found pretty close to Provincetown. So it's a very sad yet interesting story about this sort of mid to late days of steamboats on on waters like that and um, the sinking of the Portland really made a lot of changes in boats going on open waterways like that they usually um, a majority of the boats that went out after that were um, steel hulled with screws and propellers um, because the side paddle wheels were just not and this was also a wooden hull boat, just not capable of withstanding that type of weather and wind and water and right anything. And they, and they didn't have the technology that we have today that no. would say that the storm's coming. Exactly, so stay home. exactly. I mean, the weather service back then was just um, a bulletin put in the newspaper that morning, and you know, they would read charts from the day before. Um, that would come in. So, yeah. not great. No, not good at all. Yeah. <laughs> so then on that, that happy note. Oh, uh, yeah, right. I know. <laughs> let's talk about the rowing program you have. Awesome, yes. Because that's a great story. Yes. What you're doing there. Yes. So we started our rowing program uh, this summer of 2021. Um, we row in a 27-foot Whitehall gig. It is a four-seater gig, fixed seats. Um, each person has about a 10-foot oar. Um, so it fits four people and one coxswain. So we started this rowing program as a way to um, give people meaningful ways to get out on the water and exercise and also see the areas like Lewis Bay, um, you know, Pine Island, and go and see where our maritime environment is in real life, up close and personal. Um, so sort of what I was saying about the Portland, the SS Portland not being really good in that type of weather. This boat is a, this is a gig that is really good in any type of weather. It's a very light boat. It's um, very easy to maneuver in waves as well, which is really cool because when you're rowing, you when you think of rowing, you know, as an Olympic sport, you think of flat riverways and that sort of, but this is a great boat really in any weather, although I wouldn't take it out in a small craft advisory, of course. No. And so you go out from Inglewood Beach in South Yarmouth. Yep. Yep. And go into Lewis Bay. Yep. Which is the bay that 
use the museum is on. Yep, we're in Hyannis. In Hyannis, yep. but yep. it's also part of Yarmouth. Absolutely. Um, and how often do you go out rowing? So the rowing program goes out Tuesday mornings, Tuesday afternoons, Thursday afternoons, and then there's two sessions on Saturday mornings. Um, of course, we go out pretty much as long as people want to go out. As long as there's no ice and we're not frozen in, we'll be out on the water rowing. Um, of course, you don't feel the cold because you're exercising um, and you're just having a great time. So you're sort of invigorated by, you know, the sights and scenery of where you are. Um, some days, uh, you know, weather permitting, you can see us in um, right outside Hyannis Yacht Club. Um, you could see us over by Egg Island. Um, we pass by the ferries every once in a while. Of course, they always win. Um, but, you know, we'll, we're, we're out there. So. And if somebody wanted to be part of this. How do they do that? They can sign up on our website. Okay. Um, and it's uh, there's a couple different ways you can join. You can join as a full member, um, which the membership is 150. Um, if it's halfway through the halfway through the year, it's about 75. Um, if you want to join us for a taster session, is what we're calling them, uh, you can join for ten dollars, and that's for one session. And I should also specify that our rowing program is perfect for anybody, any skill level. If you're over 18 and you're able to pull an oar. That's all we look for. Um, this is perfect for people who have never been on the water, who have never been in a boat, who have never done any rowing in their life, or this is perfect for people who are veterans at rowing. It's a, it's a, great, it's a great way to get out on the water and row a boat, get some exercise, and learn how to row and learn the sort of seamanship of being, you know, wh what is a coxswain? What is a stroke seat? What is seat number two and all that? And you all were brave enough to be in a race <coughs> in Hull. Uh, yes. Uh, so um, we were on um, November 6th. We were in the head of the weir, which is one of the um, northeast northeast's biggest uh, rowing races. So um, there was about 40 boats, um, all of different classes from kayaks to six seat um, oared boats. Um, some were dories, some were canoes, some were um, skiffs. Yeah, there was a skiff or two there. Um, but yeah, we were out there. There was uh, four of us. It was an all-ladies team, which was really cool. All of us were new to the program. Um, of course, it's the first-year program, so you would be new. But um, all of us had rowed before at some point in our lives, but not particularly in that type of gig. So it was, all, it was new to all of us in a way. Um, so we, ra uh, we rowed in this race. It was five and a half miles on Saturday afternoon. Now I've got to say, Saturday in November's, um, we did not expect it to be like this. It was warm and the water was like glass. So we just flew. I'm not gonna say that the five and a half miles were easy by any means. Uh, we were all absolutely exhausted, but it was a really great time. Um, it was a ton of fun. That's great. Are you gonna do other races? There's another one um, hosted by the Hull Life Saving Museum in March. It's called the Snow Row. So we're, we're probably going to be doing that one. Um, but, yeah, we're going to try to get um, ourselves out there at as many races as we can. It's a great way to get more people involved in the program, too, and to show people that our, uh, you know, you don't need to have this a huge skill set in rowing. You can start out as a novice and do something like this. As long as you have the will, there is a way. And people can just join the program, but they don't have to be part of the race scene. That's they right. Yes, yeah. yes. You can just join the program and, and exercise with us, you know, on Saturday mornings, for example. You can come once a week, twice a week. 
Um, you don't have to race. You can race if you want to. Though we do have to mention the gentlemen who do teach you all how to row. Because yes. it's an amazing group of men that mm -hmm. are at the museum. Absolutely. The best guys ever. Uh, Bill Sterling, Bob Lister, and John Aborn. Shout out to you guys. You guys are the best. Um, they really take anybody into these boats and really instill that enthusiasm for rowing. I mean, I'll tell you, you can hate exercise. You can hate being out in the fresh air. And these guys will make you love it. Because they have so much skill and love for being out on the open water and in these historic craft like this Whitehall gig it um it is it's it they sort of instill this way of life of, in you and you can't help but get that bug for this type of exercise yeah they really do share their love of it they really do yeah they and, absolutely do yeah and they're happy to share it absolutely and happy to show it absolutely and want anybody to join in <laughs> and they want any anybody and everybody to join in because yeah. they, it's 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 all about sharing with the world this awesome awesome way of getting out on the water in a traditional craft too so what better maritime history than that right yeah they're good guys absolutely so you are planning to be open this winter yes so if people are looking for things to do we are here you're here come see us yeah you'll be open and right now you're open tuesdays to saturdays yes 10 a.m to 4 p.m yeah. and so you're planning the same hours yep and you want to tell everybody about your lecture series? Absolutely. We have a really robust lecture series coming up this winter. We have our first lecture is in November. Um, it's on the 14th. It's about the Portland Gale. So speaking of our exhibits, mm -hmm. um, Don Wilding will be speaking about the Portland Gale. On December 5th, we have Abigail Archer speaking about river herring, uh, bringing the ocean to New England's freshwater. That's December 5th. Now, all of our lecture series are free and are on Zoom. They're all Sunday afternoons um, at 2.30 p.m. Um, you can also watch them on Facebook Live. So if you go to our website, you can find all of the information on how to sign up. December 19th, we have Agnes Mittermeier from the um, Center for Coastal Studies speaking about the marine food webs on the Cape. And they can also, if they m happen to miss one of the lectures, they can go back to the website and see the lecture afterwards. Yep, yep. we post all of our lectures afterwards because we do record them through Zoom. So we post them um, usually through, actually through Facebook Live. So, And you don't need a Facebook account to watch them through Facebook Live. You can just go straight from Google. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, so you don't, you don't need to ha be a member of Facebook or anything to watch these, which is really helpful. Uh, we also have on January 2nd, we have a lecture about sea turtle rescue by Bob Prescott. Um, we basically have lectures every two weeks. W actually, we've booked them through May. So if you look at our website, you'll see we've got a bunch of different lectures coming up. Some of them are marine bio-based. Some are historical-based. Others are ecology-based. Um, others are more of tales from the high seas. Um, but there's always a sort of a variation in topic and how they're scheduled. They are fun, and they're always on Sundays. Yes. So people can plan around it. Absolutely. So they know. And like I said, they're all something you can watch afterwards. So if it's something that really interests you but you can't make it, you can still watch later. Right, which is really nice. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. So anything else? What are your thoughts for spring? Oh, spring. Oh, 2022 is coming up. Um we are probably going to be boosting um, our uh, summer camp program, which we started last year, yeah. which is the Young Mariner program. So you're probably going to see a lot um, of stuff out there about that. We'll be really sort of ramping up that programming. Um, last year was our inaugural program, and it did really well. We had about 100 kids sign up. Um, 
it was a great summer. The kids loved it. So we're taking the feedback that we got from parents and making sure that we're giving kids the absolute best experience possible. Um, so we'll be working really hard on that. Nice. And probably putting together our summer lecture series. Right. Mm. <laughs> and how long will these exhibits be up? So if people want to come by and see them. The, um, the triple exhibit all about Provincetown, the Fishing, Whaling, and Portland Gale exhibit, that is up until, I would say, spring of 2023. Okay. So it's a, about a, f a year and a half exhibit. Um, the photography exhibits are up until, um, I would say, early spring of 2022. So probably up until end of March. Okay. And those are exhibits that people really should go see absolutely yeah. so TikTok, everybody exactly <laughs> get, get on over pitter patter get over to the museum get there soon <laughs> <laughs> you'll be looking for something to do absolutely and you know our museum's a great place to see in the winter too because it is. it's 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 warm come on in we've got great staff that love to tell you about the exhibits mm -hmm. great people cool things to see and the harbor is still pretty in the winter it is it's absolutely gorgeous it is still gorgeous in the winter yeah. Yeah. Even if it's freezing outside, it's still gorgeous outside. Mm -hmm. And you have a beautiful window that you can see out. Yes. Some big it. windows. Yes. Mm -hmm. And we also have our surf boat. Um, it's a 1944 race point surf boat that we are working on restoring. And of course, the men that would have to go out on these life saving surf boats, they would go and go out in all weather. So, you know, in the middle of February, when you come to see our surf boat, it really gives you that true experience of what it would be like with the, you know, you know, the, the wind whipping at your face and the snow coming in and the freezing harbor in front of you. And you've got to take a boat like that to go rescue some uh, some passengers on a, you know, a, a sailing ship or mm -hmm. something along those lines. It really gives you that experience. Yeah. As close to real life as we can provide. Right. <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about about the museum? Did we cover everything? Um, feel free to send us an email or follow us on Facebook or Instagram. If you have any questions, um, go to our website, capecodmaritimemuseum.org. Check it out. Yeah, it's a great place to visit. It is. Enjoy. So go into Hyannis and go visit them. See you soon, guys. Bye. Thank you, Liz. <laughs> Thank you, Liz, for joining me today. To find more information about the Cape Cod Maritime Museum and how you can support them, go to their website, capecodmaritimemuseum.org.